This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Huddersfield's German defender Christopher Schindler has unbearable responsibility on his shoulders. Right-footed Schindler yeah. scores the goal that fires Huddersfield wow, wow, wow. into the Premier League. Well, it's all about Carlin Grant's touch, then his touch, his turn, that little bit of pace to get away from the defender. Get up. I was lost, but now, now Another piece of individual brilliance from Carlo Grant. Never in doubt. Side foot, thank you very much. Back of the net. Let's hope it's the winning goal. Please be the winning goal. You cannot allow Carlin Grant to come back on his right foot on that side of the 18-yard box. There's only one thing that happens. And I'd like to say, I think that's the three points. Okay, so as, as usual, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, sadly, at the moment, Magic Rock is closed due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak. But the Welcome Centre, who are very close to uh, what Magic Rock do, are still open and uh, if you've got a little bit of spare money ha- hanging around at the minute they uh, are taking a couple of donations for people who are struggling at the moment so uh, have a check of uh, the HTSA uh, website and social media uh, as well as the Cowshed Loyal and uh, if you can help out that'd be fantastic and uh, and hopefully we come out of this uh, quite soon. Welcome back to part two of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast interview with Matt Glennon. Uh, from here, we'll uh, pick up where Matt starts to talk about how the job at Radio Leeds uh, came up for him. <laughs> Tell us about, we'll, we'll move on to Radio Leeds. And um, I, I, it was sixteen seventeen, was it? The first first season that you did, was that right? I did I did one game in Wagner's first year. It was Birmingham at home. Uh, I, I, obviously, I knew Oggy well anyway, because Oggy would always pull me out uh, when I played for town because he knew that I'd say something that he could use on the radio. <clears throat> and then, yeah, he invited me for that for that season, promotion season, which was just absolutely amazing. My first year in the radio, next thing you know, yeah, you're at Wembley, watching others feel getting brought into the Premier League. It was just just superb, and it's just snowballed since then, obviously now culminating in my, my Monday night show. You must have felt like a lucky charm at that point, you know, as Town are 
pretty much never higher than 17th in the championship and all of a sudden you come in and top of the you know top of the league for a while top three and then promote through the playoffs it must have must have been an amazing thing to to do and to be honest with you i think the vast majority of Huddersfield town fans like what you say on on radio leads and there's a there's been a couple of things i think over the past that you may have had the majority disagreeing you with and one person and one person that used to cause a bit of a ruckus was uh, Rajiv Van Laparo. I think a lot of people oh, yeah. want to know what he did to upset you so much. Uh, I don't like people who play at the highest level who can't do the basic things and that's it. I worked, I did work hard in my thing. Yeah, I wasn't as talented. I, you know, I, mean, I, I wasted the early years of my career. Like I told you, I went to Hull. I put too much weight on. I got injured. Never really recovered from that. I ended up playing, yeah, I, I, I did a half-decent career. When you've got lads who fit, strong, you know they've got it in them and they pick the wrong pass three times out of five. They refuse to put the cross into the, the cross into the box when you've got Steve Mounier, who's one of the best leap, got one of the best leaps in, in the league. It was just frustration every week and, and just not utilising the talent. And also at times, switch off. You know what I mean? Like Dea Carby. I remember saying to Jamie Rayner at QPI, QPI where we sit, you have to look over to the uh, pitch you know, when you can't actually see the bottom of the pitch, you have to look over it. And I said to him, watch him. And he's up looking at the birdies in the sky. And, oh, look at that nice. Look at that big building. We're in London. And you're thinking, no, you've got to be switched on. This is championship Premier League football. You, every game needs to be like it's your last game. And you need to basically do your job. And Van La Parra, for me, was so inconsistent, but he got so many chances. Wagner, I don't know what he had on Wagner. I don't know what, what, what he is learning love child or something. I don't know. But... Uh, it was it was just strange that he played every single week and I had uh, a big town fan uh, very vocal on Twitter and he was saying but he does a great job he takes the ball from the the, the the defensive third to the attacking third so quickly yes but then he gives the ball back to them and they're attacking again instead of a five yard pass to the right across into the box and it for me it was just too too many times too many times a wrong decision and you're 27 28 years old. And you look like young lads. People say, oh, he's only young. No, he's 27, 28. He's, he's a winger. You're in the, the twilights of your career when you're getting towards your 30s as a winger and you still haven't learned to, to give the ball simple now and again and keep possession of the ball. Mm. No, I, I, I agree. There's, he's very much a playground player, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, player. it was. It was one of them, one-man Wembley. You can't get the ball off him. And that's it. When he did, he didn't, he didn't always track back either. Uh, and he, he's, his work ethic, when he felt like it, was, was great. And... Yeah, I'm sure he's a decent lad, but I don't care if he's a decent lad. I'd rather he was, I'd rather he was a nightmare and, and go out and win the game for you every single week. And it's it's just uh, yeah, it was for me. It's the consistency at that level. We still League One, and he's playing with me. You know what I mean? League One there and mediocre wages. And, you know what I mean? The, the chairman at the time still wasn't Ken Davies. Someone putting the money in. Yeah, you'd forgive him. You know what I mean? Like a Kamara, something like you forgive him the misplaced pass, the the shot that ends up in the car park, but. When you play in Premier League football on a lot of money a week, I know you shouldn't bring money into it, but it does it does count. You should be able to make more right decisions than wrong decisions. It's good to see you're over it, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know, yeah. I gonna say I thought there's a couple of buttons I could press might get Matt going, and I thought Rajiv Van Lapar will be will be one of them for sure. It's always a good one. It's a good one. I've got this new one. This new one. Brad is coming in here. Hey, no, I was just saying that I, I agree with you, Matt. Like I think he was one of those players who because we were so dire in the last season in the Premier League, because he wasn't playing, everyone was like, oh, we just need to get him in. I mean, I can't... Yeah, apart from that goal he scored against West Brom, uh, which, to be honest, I 
I still couldn't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't really do much. I'm, I'm fully with you on that. And it was mad that he was uh, playing for Luton, got hauled off, and then his next match was Bayern Munich in the Champions League. So, yeah, fair play well, to people, <laughs> people, when, when, obviously, when I'm getting my, my abuse online and things like that, uh, which I do enjoy, so I'll keep it coming. But uh, it's... It, they always hark back to that that West Brom goal, or there was a, a cross that he put in, and they do the same with Kachunga with me and everything like that. Yeah, I agree. Big moments, but you need more big moments when you're at that level of football. There needs to be more big moments, more big decisions, more more you know what I mean contribution towards the game on a Saturday afternoon than than the giving. I tell you what, Matt, I'll give you my bank details after, so you can send your money on, but. The one thing I'd noticed with that kind of your job and just obviously when I went in Spain for quite a bit, watching the games and I follow and, and even now, you know, kind of working a few Saturdays, but when you're commentating on the radio, it could, it could be quite easy to get a lot of stuff wrong. I remember some commentators, you know, can name names and so-and-so past the so-and-so. And, and obviously, because you're not there, you're kind of taking that as gospel and stuff. But honestly, mate, the, the stuff that I see on, on the I follow and things, it's so accurate and it's such a skill that, because it's not easy and... I just think it's with the iFollow now and, and probably it's, you're going to be coming into your own now with this new, I think it'll be closed doors and stuff. We'll be hearing probably a lot more of your commentary. It's, I think there's kind of a bit more of a pressure on, on the commentators really. I know you're doing it for your phone and love and what have you, but it's people are so critical now, aren't they? The oh, yeah, yeah. So I in commentary and I bet you probably get some lama dot online and stuff. Oh, it's, good, yeah. it's, it's good though, but I, you know what I mean? I got as a player and it, it, you know, when people say they don't, they don't care and they go away and cry in a corner. It's like, I mean, I, I really, I really don't care because I'll take, sometimes I'll, I'll take it on board with the saying. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes I have called it wrong and I, I've put my own personal stamp on it, but that's what I have to do. And the, the thing about me is I've got no agendas. I'm just, I have no players. I, did, I don't dislike Reggie Van de Parra at all. I don't dislike Kachunga, but I like, what is it, bloody blockbusters, say what you say, not blockbusters, but the, the other one, catchphrase, say what you see. And, and, and that's all I'll ever do. And I'll never go after someone without explaining why I think that player is either going to get praise or he's going to get hammered. And, and, and that's it. And footballers are there to be shot at. I'm there to be shot at. You know what I mean? And it's part and parcel. I, I enjoy it. It's definitely not for the money, I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? But uh, it's, it's, it's something that I do enjoy. That. And this, things like this, these podcasts, and when you do other my radio show and things like that, different opinions. Every single one of us is going to have different opinions on here about certain things. Obviously not about Van the Parra, but about <laughs> other things as well. And, and that's what I really enjoy about the job. Me and Cosy have had a few different opinions before. I can, I can assure you that, Matt. Um, yeah. Um, was the media something you always wanted to get into after football? Was it always an ambition of yours or did you kind of find yourself in, in it more by chance than anything else? It was, well, it was, it was, it was by chance, but it's definitely something... Uh, yeah, anyway, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not the quietest person in the world. The wife's constantly complaining how loud I am and... You know, we never stopped talking and yeah, I always wanted to do it and obviously Augie gave me, gave me the opportunity and then Johnny's given me the opportunity when we were shown on Monday and yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy to get into it. For me, it's just felt the right place at the right time. I left Halifax, you know what I mean? I got that one gig against Birmingham. Uh, obviously the, uh, what's his name? Regan. Uh, Kieran, yeah. Kieran, 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 Kieran gave up after, what, nine years as I was retiring from playing as well. And it was just the perfect storm, and it, it worked out great. 
Tell you what, man, I'll never forget the phoning you did after the ship of Wednesday, the uh, the playoff first leg. And I remember first leg or the second leg. First leg, I remember ringing up, and it was kind. Of, I think you were. Uh, to be fair, I think the majority of Liverpool fans probably drove, drove away that afternoon thinking, you know, that's it. We probably missed his chance. And I remember yeah. kind of coming on with you saying it's not over and what have you. But I suppose the question to you after that: Could you? Did you think we were kind of out done that after that day? Could you see us still getting into the Premier League from from that first leg? How did you see it from then? Yeah, yeah, I did because I, I remember Danny Ward coming back and he, he was excellent in those playoff games as well. And you just felt they never scored goals. You know I mean, a lot of the passing, a lot of things. And then you're thinking sometimes it wasn't always fantastic to watch. But Sheffield Wednesday, I just one of those clubs will just spend loads of money by all the players. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and punch around like you do. But Huddersfield already had something. They had, you know, I mean, a real character about them and a way of playing it, which wasn't Maverick. It was a way of playing. It wasn't always fantastic to watch, but it was it was going to get there. The Wembley one was for me. I just felt that Reading were going to hit one off someone's ass or something and really bring the party crashing down. That that was my fear. Getting past Sheffield Wednesday, I thought, yeah, it's going to happen. Even my response when, you know I mean, Gareth Jones filmed it after the second leg when I not realised they'd scored the winning penalty. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, Wembley scared me more than the playoff semi-final did. What was it like, Matt, in the Premier League regarding the facilities? Were you? I always think there's a bit of snobbery in the Premier League. So, I mean, with the media, were you kind of who are these kind of peasants from BBC leagues? Or what were the facilities like? Were you treated like kings? What What was it like? The whole experience, mate, travelling away. Oh no, 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 no! I was the snob. I stopped speaking to everyone uh, when we got to the Premier League, <laughs> and that was it. Phone numbers cancelled. Phone wiped. No, no, it was no great. Dylan, yeah, that's the fun that you yeah, 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 yeah. No, Billy. Uh, no, it was great. Everyone treated you really well. Everyone on the doors. Uh, I can't think of a single club. Uh, and I don't like going to Anfield. You know, I don't like because I'm a mank and I go to Anfield. But the 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 lounge is miles away from where you sit. Everyone's stony faced. I remember uh, going there once and just no one wanted to help you. We, were, we they made a stand outside. And it's like, yeah, it was gale force winds, it was freezing. You're thinking, just open the bleeding door. You know where we're going, you know what I mean? And it, Places like that, but there's still magnificent stadiums, great occasions. Chelsea's food was just phenomenal. It was like some millionaire's buffet. Well, it was a billionaire's buffet. It was a Bromwich's buffet. But it was just it was just amazing. Uh, yeah. Brighton, you know I mean, all, all these clubs were just, they just looked after you. Your seats were superb as well. And yeah, you really, really looked after has there ever been any games where you've got a bit of stick? I'm sure it, I could be wrong here, but yeah, you get a bit of, well, he did at Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he? But are you kind of near the fans in a lot of the grounds? And, and I don't know if Town have scored. It's like, are you getting it and stuff? Is there any occasion? Everton, there's another one. going to sound really bad now. I'm just going straight for the scouts, is that? Uh, but Everton, you sat virtually in the crowd. So you've, they're right behind you. The, the geezer didn't want to give us the Wi-Fi code for some weird reason. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Behind us, like it's some state secret. You, you crammed it in tiny, and they're all behind you. I remember him scoring this fella staring me out and thinking, what, what are you doing? I know I'm sat down, but you can see that I'm about six foot three, and I've got a face looks like I'm not a very happy person right now. So don't be staring at me like that. You know what I mean? It was, it was ridiculous and so aggressive uh, around you. So it was, that was, that was a, a, a peculiar place to work. Uh, and yeah, did some of them, I think uh, there was one down south as well. I can't remember where it was. And they were right in front, and they were they were looking at us as if as if we had scored the goal, and they were taking it personally because Huddersfield had scored, and as if like we were to blame for that because obviously they didn't recognise us because we just turned up as the 
the away team press. And yeah, there's some very strange fans that turn and look at the, the local media as if we're to blame for what's going on. How did you find it last season, Matt? Because those fans that, honestly, mate, I'll, I'll be honest, I walked out at Anfield at half-time, at Chelsea at half-time, and at Spurs at half-time. I, I was no interest. I'd had enough. I knew we'd lost when the other teams scored. I'd lost so much interest. I mean, obviously, you were still kind of um, living the dream as a, as a surmise, but did you find it kind of hard to really get into last season? Do you kind of feel it like we do as a fan, or, or was it just a job for you and, yeah, just rocked up at the stadium? No, 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 I felt it as well. Uh, you've got to, you're trying to stay enthusiastic, you're trying to stay positive, but there's only so many positive things you can say about a team that's not touched the ball for like 40 minutes of, of a game. We've not had a shot on target for three games. And that's where a lot of my criticism, I think, from certain people came as well, because I couldn't find a positive. You know, the narrative of the game was the fact that Town weren't scoring, they weren't shooting, they weren't passing very much. A lot of players looked like they down tools a little bit as well which was really disappointing to see where you still got your shindlers who were diving in there and giving everything for the team and you've got other people who are not quite you know what I mean giving 100% during the game so it was it was quite tough to give people a show that they wanted to listen to that they didn't want to just switch off and go right here we go done again that's, that's us we're not listening well we'll listen to the after show like sometimes like a bit like the you know I mean updates of the weekend now everyone just wants to listen to what the press are going to say and the negative stuff that comes with it no one wanted to listen to the, the games as much because it was it was Groundhog Day. What did you make of the Wagner thing, Matt? Because I, I remember from listening to you, I think you felt it should have, he should have kind of maybe moved on. I think you were the, I'm not saying calling for his head, but I think you were the one that kind of felt it was over before, long before he kind of walked away. Did you, how did you kind of see that change? And obviously the Seabert was a disaster. How did you see all that at the time? Well, I, I just saw what happened with the, uh, you know, I mean, the players that were brought in and, and things like that, and, and the way they were playing, and it was just, it just, it just wasn't right. As I said, there was no goals, there was no crosses, there was no, no shots, there was, there was no change uh, in there. There were certain players like Ivan the Prize and stuff who were just getting way too much game time. I never would have called for his head because he was, uh, he had to go on his own, his own accord, uh, or make that decision, or it was someone else who was going to make that decision. It was never, never going to be me. But it was just, it just looked like it was a. Uh, you know, a bit stale, if that's the word. Is that the right word to use? A bit, a bit stale. It just wasn't wasn't working anymore. All the great stuff had happened. That was in the past. Football moves on very quickly, as we all know. Well, not at the minute, but football does move on very quickly. And you've got to move with the times. And I don't think he did. Do you never think we left Stamford Bridge in many ways from that celebrations oh, yeah. from staying up? And then yeah. it, it, I remember the start of that season, and it was like the season starts next week. Season starts next week. It seemed to be the season was starting next week until it was over. Um, do you think it was more of a the whole thing coming out of the club, maybe, or, or as as opposed to just being driven by the manager? Or do you think they just expended so much energy on on staying up the next season? Everybody was just shattered, you know, from from pretty much the exertions of the first season. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely an element of that because you know yourself that the highs of that Chelsea game. I still remember, you know, I mean, Lossell save, uh, he tipped it onto the post and everything. There it was a magnificent, magnificent night. It was a warm night. It was. You know, me and uh, the, the team were there and we were watching it. We're really close to the, the pitch as well at Stamford Bridge. We're, we're virtually on the pitch where we're sitting doing the, the commentary from. And it was huge. And I remember, I remember say going back to a slight mind, I, I, when I was on loan at Carlisle, we won a game and kept them in the division. Three games to go. I'm on loan, at, I'm on loan from, from Bolton. I've got years left on my contract. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll just come back there if I got relegated or this and that. But we stayed up and I was drained. I couldn't even have a beer. 
you know what I mean? Because I was that drained and mentally. And I felt a little bit like that again after the Chelsea game about an hour later. You're high as a kite, but you're just like, you're a bit numb because it was fantastic and it was this massive high. And you're right, I, I don't think they ever massively recovered from that. And obviously the recruitment that came in that season, there was no real lift and you needed, you needed some, I think they needed a big name, something, some, a real big statement in that, uh, in that pre-season to give the club something else to talk about apart from the Chelsea game, okay. apart from the Man City yeah. game. Yeah. We, the Arsenal-Wenger's last game, so it was massive because Arsenal-Wenger's a massive Premier League person. Watch Man City pick up the trophy. You know what I mean? You, you've got the only, team not, the only team not to concede at the Etihad that season, which was amazing. You've got the Chelsea game. I mean, all these highs and they needed to be something else, and I just don't think uh, they went around about things the right way in the off-season. Tell us some players that you really rated during that Wagner period, because obviously everyone focuses on your, your Rajiv Van Paras and the, the contentious things, but there must be some players that way. Thought, and, and Aaron Moy is obviously going to come up, because if it doesn't, I think, well, you know, he, he, for me, he's the best player that I've seen play for Huddersfield ever. Sorry, Matt. But he's, you know, he was, he was, he was you know, a very special player. But there must have been some players, maybe, maybe some ones that maybe the average fan doesn't see. Do you know some someone who does a particular job? You know, like Chris Lerva, for example, was probably probably didn't get Lerva, as much credit. Or... Lerva was excellent. I mean, uh, a, lot, a lot of players when they came in that that promotion season, I don't think there was a anyone that let the club down at all. I don't think there was anyone that that came into the team. You gone, well, he, he's a real weak spot. He's he struggled, obviously. For me, Schindler's always going to be one there up the top as well. And yeah, he's not scoring loads of goals. He's not the quickest player in the world, but, but he actually quicker than quicker than he looks. Sometimes he looks like he's throwing a caravan, but he still, he still seems to get there, make that challenge, win that header, uh, that first season. I'm just trying to think of the first season. Kuchunga that first season, he was always at the back post, always that man when the cross came into the box. He was there for that, that header at the back post or to put it back into the area, to put it into the, the back of the net. There was... There was different players that, you know, I mean, within that squad. Aaron Moy obviously was was superb. Jonathan Hogg, again, he 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 split decision last season, I think. Oh well, this season we're not finished yet, are we? Uh, I think he split decision more than he's ever done. But his contribution in the in the time I've been at the club as well, uh, doing what I've been doing has has been, you know, what I mean, superb. Danny Ward made a, a big contribution. There was times where I just thought he's a bit weak off his line. He's a little bit weak in there. But in the big games, especially the playoff games, he, he was excellent. Who's the best keeper then that you've seen at Huddersfield? We've had we've had some good ones, you know, Lursel Ward, probably not Jed Steer. I think he was Phil Senior. Phil Senior. Phil Senior. <laughs> good lad, Phil. But well, Phil always puts himself on it on my Twitter somehow. He always seems to find himself <laughs> on there, or he's got a fan that puts himself on there. But no, I, I, I am, I'm a, I'm a big Lursel fan. I like Lursel. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's a quality goalkeeper. He's calming. Grabara, bit young, bit great. I mean, thingy behind the ears still for me. Not quite there with his distribution as well, which is massive. Uh, Danny Ward again did did really well, but it was his. I think it was his first real season playing. Uh, kept, you know, he, he did well. Got promoted. He got promoted to the Premier League, so he did really well. But for me, in the time I've been covering, it's it's been Jonas Lossel that. I think it's been there, the top man. Because mm, he gets a little bit of stick, does Jonas Lussell, from certain sections of town fans. But, you know, I agree. I think he's... What goalkeepers do? Yeah. What do they know? What do they know? I appreciate that with Matt. That's exactly. Great. We've all where been there. Where do you see us now, Matt? I've got... I'd, I'd like to get your take on it. I thought we were down, mate, when uh, Danny Cowley took over. I thought we were finished. Spirit had gone. The players were not there. Yeah, I didn't see us come back with one point in whatever. So to be where we are now, 
God, thinking about how, how long ago when we played is is kind of a real achievement. What what did you think, mate? Did you think we were finished, or did you think no, no. we still get out of there? As soon as Seaver went, I knew they'd be an upturn because uh, there were some decent players there. Uh, there were some players that shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Again, I move back to Dave Carries and people like that who who just you know what I mean, Embenzers who just crazy signings, crazy signings. Well, no, as soon as Seaver went. Because you know, behind the scenes and it wasn't working very well. You could see on the pitch it wasn't very working very well. Just anyone with a knowledge of English football and actually working with uh, adult footballers was always going to you know, make things a little bit different. And again, Ian Siever shows a lovely fella, like everyone says he is. Again, you don't care. It's about results and getting the team away from where they are. Just Danny Calvert ruffled a few feathers as well. And you know what I mean? I, I think they will take the club in the right direction. Just to add to that point, though, Matt, do you think Jan Zivert was a really sort of bizarre appointment? It, it seemed um, it seemed like Town were just going back to the well a little bit and, and trying to recreate a formula from when maybe they were sort of a bottom-end championship club. Um, obviously, yeah. we don't want to slate anybody too much, but do you think it was a case of maybe they should have taken a little bit more time and, and just gone and... And obviously, we wouldn't have the, maybe not have the Cowleys now, but uh, do you think at that point it was a really sort of strange decision and they should have acted more like a Premier League club, if you like, and gone and got somebody a little bit more experienced to guide us through? Yeah, definitely. And I made, I made no bones about it at all. My comments showed me show. I thought it was a crazy decision. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't see myself as an old man, but when they brought someone in even younger than me to come into a struggling Premier League team, you're thinking, what the hell is going on here? And then, you know what I mean? You try Googling, you can't even Google a man, you know what I mean, because you don't know who he is. And then a man from Wakefield turns up and everyone thinks he's bleeding Wakefield. You know, it just didn't start right. And yeah, it was a bit of fun and a bit of joke and whatever his name is from Wakefield comes in. No, that's crap. You've just had one of the worst Premier League you know what I mean, seasons of all time, top four, four of bottom four or five. And then you bring in a youth team manager who's, never, who's not, let's say, okay, it's not mega important, but not played the game at all, but then not managed at a men's level really either and I don't think he was a particularly brilliant under 23s manager in all honesty as well with the results that he got you know what I mean at Dortmund as well so I just thought it was just an easy story you know and bring someone in nice and easy probably give him a few grand a week where you'd be paying someone else a lot more and I just thought no that's that's, that's not not right and it's it's not going to get this group of underachievers to anywhere where they need to be it was too big a risk and it turned out it was one one, one winning what 18, 19 and yeah, it wasn't enough. Uh, luckily, the new chairman come in. You know, Phil come obviously Dean was was quite poorly for a while, but the new chairman's come in and gone bang. I've seen enough. Time to go, and he made a really brave early decision. Sorry, cause I feel like I've hijacked your point a bit there. No, it's fine. I think Brady's coming in. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, do you think um, do you think Jan deserved it start the season? Because obviously, I, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I don't think he was a like we've all we can all agree he wasn't right Portman in the prem. But did you think he deserved a crack at the championship, or were you just you know, you'd like, no, someone else. No, he should never have got the job. And he, he had to have a crack at it. He had to have pre-season because they'd given the job, whatever length of contract he'd signed, they brought him in. It wouldn't be fair once they'd given him the job, made that decision, not to give him, you know what I mean? Because he could have turned out to be the next best thing. You know what I mean? He could have had that pre-season, he could have brought his players in and we'd gone, bloody hell, they found another one. Hmm. But it didn't work out like that and it was too, it was too big a gamble. It was, it, the odds were just stacked against him right from the beginning. Just to come back to, to the Cowleys, you mentioned that you think they'll take us forward. Um, how far do you think they can take us? What's realistic? Well, again, it's we go back to your Jacko days, your Annie Ritchie days. It depends what the club give him. You know what I mean? The chairman is backing him at the minute and he's bringing players in. 
Uh, I think we need to get this season finished, get to pre-season, see what sort of players they're going to bring in. If they can handle the bigger players, you know what I mean? I thought it was brilliant what they did with you know, with, with your, uh, the players that they just left out of the, the squad. I thought it was, it was fantastic because it was basically everyone they spent money on. was <laughs> just said, we're not bothered, get yourselves off on loan. Uh, you know what I mean? You, you're not in... You're not in the uh, the plans. It takes it takes quite a, a big manager and a big character to do that, and especially coming from from Lincoln to Huddersfield Town, a, a Premier League club from from last season. So they've got the steel, they've got the balls. You can see that. It's just if they've got enough knowledge and enough know how to to get the best out of the players they've got right now and and keep taking the club forwards. I, I think they will. Well, I do think they're gonna make a few enemies along the way because I watch them on the touchline and. Uh, yeah, they're not the calmest pair of brothers in the world, and I don't think they're quite bothered who they upset as well. But again, it doesn't matter. You're getting results and winning games. Who gives one? Do you think there's any way back for Terence Congolo, or do you think his bridges have completely been burnt? Burn, a burn, and for me, just get rid, get rid. You're not going to change his character now. He's, he's not that. He's not that young. And well, no matter how old you are, to be fair, and he's shown that he's got no interest at all in playing for this field. It's all about London. It's all about Premier League. And that's not what you want on the field town. It's not what you want any sort of club. And you don't want someone strolling around. I know he's not a fantastic trainer as well. You know what I mean? He's he, no. He, he, he can't. You can't have characters like that. Not when you're trying to drive forward. You know what I mean? You can't pick and choose when you want to be a professional footballer. You either are one or you get your bags and go somewhere else. Moving it forward, Matt, to where we are today. I'm trying to get your kind of ex-player on. So so much talk of furloughing, fifty percent cuts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It seems to be every day. It seems to be getting worse. Some of the stories and stuff. Where, where do you kind of stand with it all at the moment in regarding footballers? Should they be thinking differently now? Are we in crisis, or do you think some of it's a bit exaggerated? It's a bit of a doomsday scenario because it does seem really serious. Reading some of the stuff and listening to some of the people who would know. Oh, it's, it's not great. Obviously, I think Liverpool and Tottenham were a disgrace in what they did. You know what I mean? Going straight to straight to furloughing uh, their staff. Obviously, I've got staff who I'm still paying. You know, we, we still haven't got this furlough sorted out yet either. It's, it's a long process. But you're talking billionaires taking the money out when you've got, let's say, you, you leave one, you lead two clubs who, who are going to who are gonna struggle. You know what I mean? I know you get your 80% of your wages up to £2,500. A lot of League One, League Two footballers are on decent wages, but they're also trying to pay the mortgages off nice and quick because they've got quite big mortgages to try and get them banged off because they don't earn the money the Premier League managers... Uh, Premier League players uh, you've got the chairmans as well you know what I mean got their businesses they've not got money coming through the door it's a really really tricky horrible horrible time and we've seen the nationwide league of not the season on the head 
got some like teams, you know, in local teams. Halifax now we're hoping to get back into the football league. That'd have been massive, absolutely huge for Halifax Town. And now we don't know where anyone's future's like. Do you think they get a bad press, Matt? Footballers. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of the, the Premier League, you know, kind of team headed by John and Anderson that came in eventually, and I think they were doing something anyway. But it did seem to me that footballers, as soon as I got what their name was, oh yeah, it's like armored it, and it all got a bit ugly. But I do you think this maybe this could be one of the moments where people kind of fall away from football? Or do you think it'll all be back all right once we get back to normal? Now we're back, we're talking people's passions, people's lives. It's, uh, football's huge and, yeah, it's not as big as what's going on in the world right now, but people need the football, they need the sport. I do find it weird that nobody goes after golfers or uh, Lewis Hamilton or people like that who, you know what I mean, who are English would not pay tax in this country, whereas footballers are paying 40, 50% tax. You know what I mean? Constantly, every single week, and put a lot in. And it, things happen very quickly. Yes, things have been put in place now, they're giving money, but... For me, footballers, if they're giving their money to make sure that all the staff of the football club are getting paid, then that's great from them. But again, you're talking about billionaire owners who should be paying their own staff and then footballers do what they need to do. There shouldn't be any pressure on anyone to use their own personal anything to, to you know, give away, basically. It's, it's their decision. If they want to do something, great. If not, I don't understand how everyone can really be judged on that. Do you think we'll still have 71 clubs left, mate, by the end of it all? Uh, I think it'll be close I, I do think there is packages in place though you know what I, mean? I, I think the Premier League have got some like 1.5 billion pounds sat in the, the bank account to, to help clubs out as well and I, I think the money is going to have to trickle down and they're going to have to save they're going to have to make sure they save clubs because we can't have this country's you know what I mean magnificent you know I mean footballing structure that we're really proud of going to the going to the dogs when there's more than enough money in football to save every single football club I think some of the stuff that's happening in the community, there's been a lot of chairmen and stuff that I've watched this week. This is not about just the football, it's about the community. There's this town foundation and stuff. I, I think that's underestimated when, because all you ever hear is Premier Leagues and Premier League that, but the, the guy at Burton today, the chairman, was kind of saying, look, you know, we I help the community and if we go, then, you know, there's so much that's going to fold in the town and everything. And I do, it does my head in, Matt, because it just seems to be Premier League. I know it's the, yeah. the pinnacle, but... So, you know, Barry went, and I think it was a scandal, to be honest with you. But it was a scandal, like, yeah. They've yeah. got now, and it doesn't matter, but, you know, but like if we lost a you know, bigot in the Premier League, there'd be people talking, but it's it's really so, sad. People got to look bigger. But even the Premier League clubs, you know what I mean? They didn't all, not all of them start in the Premier League. They've worked the way there, you're bonus and that, and they employ a lot of people. They've got fans who come in and get 12,000, but the 12,000 lower fans that turn up, you know what I mean? And then you say, even your, your Port Vale, your, your Cambridges, everything, it is a community. And they employ a lot of people. People, okay, yeah, we're in the middle of a, you know, in a, a, a world crisis. But people love the football. They were born like you. You were born into your football. It's a major part of your life. It's a major part of your, you, you know, your your build up, your mental build up as well, and and what you do to relieve your stress, what you do to enjoy your life. Why should it all be taken away because people say, oh, it's just kicking a ball? It's not just kicking a ball. It, it's a lot more than that. How do you think you'd have caught, mate, in that situation now where you're in a lot of the guys saying, I find it really difficult because, yeah, you can train a little bit and what have you, but there's nothing to focus on, like, as in a game. How do you think you would have caught with it if you'd have still been playing? It, 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 yeah, it would have been tough because it's the focus. It's the, what I, I struggled when I finished playing football for about uh, six, seven months. I, I really struggled because my structure was gone. Nobody was weighing me anymore. No one was telling me I had to weigh, went to sleep, went to play. I didn't have three o'clock out on a Saturday afternoon anymore and like I was what late 30s with, with businesses but 
it, it was very, very hard. You know, I mean, you eat a bit more, you drink a little bit more. Do we need to go to the gym? Well, no one's telling me about the gym, so what am I going to the gym for? And, and now these lads are going to be sat at home four, five, six weeks in. Yeah, they've got the regimes, they've got the the, the monitor, heart monitors and everything's going back to the club and all that. But how much are they actually putting in? How hard are they running? How much are they doing it? What time are they getting out of bed? You know what I mean? What, what are they doing on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, now, it, it's, it's, it's really tough because you are, you know what I mean, like a robot when you're a footballer. Everyone thinks, yeah, it is a great life and playing football is magnificent and yes, you get paid decent money and everything else. No matter what level, you still get decent money uh, according to the average man. But you are a robot. You are structured to a T. You, you them calipers go in your belly, you know what I mean? You're on them scales. You're doing the running tests. You're doing the jumping tests. You're having to, you know what I mean? Every single day has got to be your best. Otherwise, you're out of a job and you're gone. And suddenly, it's like you just sat at home now. June, don't forget as well, July the 1st is coming up. Contracts end. End of June, 1st of July. There's going to be lads there who are thinking, I'm going to pay my mortgage. I'm paying my bills. I can't go and prove, you know what I mean? I, I'm worthy to be at this football club anymore because... There's nowhere to prove it. Are they going to give me another year, two years? It's, how much uh, humour, missing it, mate? And, and more importantly as well, Oggy, because uh, Oggy is like, people want the fix of you two. It's like a medicine on a Saturday. I was talking to Johnny the other day, and he's kind of a chill-back guy. He was like, he'll come back whenever it's ready to come back. But how much are you missing the balls? And, and, and Oggy, have you had chats with him? How's he feeling? Because I bet he's... He's really struggling. I know he likes, you know, his football and everything. Well, he does. We, we've been out. Obviously, he's been he's been coaching me into my cycle. I'm supposed to be on my way to. I'm supposed to be in Hull today on the pedal for pounds. Uh, I think that was that that was this week. So we've been out talking a lot, and obviously we can't do that anymore. So it's phone calls, and yeah, you can tell he's he's wanting to get back out again. He's wanting to get back into his football. He's still working TV wise and doing other stuff at the the studio. But yeah, you, you can tell he sounds a bit lost and. I think he's whereas Oscar was dragging him to the football pitch to do the training. I think Oggy's now dragging him to the football pitch to do some some training and uh, doing his commentary on that. I think, and, yeah, I just need just need to get back and you know what I mean, get talking about stuff again and and just you know what I mean, get back into the stadium, get back into the studio, get back doing my own work. I have my structure for my build up to my shows and everything, and there's just nothing nothing to go out at the minute. Feels like my miles off getting back though, Matt. I, I don't know if I'm. Just... I didn't until this last two, three days ago. I didn't feel like it. The last couple of days, I think we're further and further away than we have been. And listening to old uh, Nicola Sturgeon today and everything in Scotland and that, she's the most pessimistic person in the world at the minute. And and, and I, I do watch the updates most days, and I was quite confident that we were maybe four or five weeks away from maybe the club behind closed doors. I feel like that's just getting further and further away. Because don't forget, you need a pre-season as well. After our three weeks of pre-season, getting back on the football pitch. So that's going to be an important, important part of it. So Matt, the FA and the Premier League come and they say, right, Matt Glennon, we, we think you've got the, the knowledge and the experience to, to guide us through this. What would be the way that you would, uh, how would you do this now? You know, So the football, does it restart? Does it finish? Do we null and void it? Do we go points per game? You know, Like you said, players are, Contracts are out on, on June 30th. I think I saw somewhere 50% of League One and Two contracts are done on June yeah. 30th. You know, employment law means it's not that easy just to say, all right, we'll just we'll just renew everyone's contract for a few months. Players might not want that. Football clubs might not want that because they're obviously short of money. They're running out of cash. So they're thinking, well, we don't want to renew that guy because, we, you know, we could use that couple of grand a week elsewhere. We're paying, you know, the ticket office, etc. So there seems to be no ideal scenario. What would you do to... Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd call an end to the football season now and 
But what what would you do? Would you try and play it or? I know I'd still I'd still I'd still try and play it all the way up until it was impossible. I'd still as long as we can get even if it doesn't finish till say mid August. You know what I mean? The footballers aren't going to need as much time off as usual. They're not going to need the five six weeks off because they've had five or six weeks off. You know what I mean? So and you, you, there's only eight nine games left. You know what I mean? You play Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday. You know what I mean? Okay, you're flogging them a little bit like horses, but you know what I mean? That that's part of the that's what the championship is anyway. So it just means the Premier League are gonna to have to do it and suck it up. And that's it. And you know what I mean? Although it, it would be slightly funny if Liverpool didn't win the league this year with twenty two points clear. You know, I'm not gonna lie about that. And you know what I mean, obviously you fellows will be laughing if Leeds didn't go up as well. Well you've but, got Noel's uh, number, you can pass it on if that happens. Yeah, it's not yeah. On, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for me, it, until it is just ridiculous where it's so unsafe where it can't happen. And then I think you go points per game. And I think you do it that way because you can't just say null and void. There's been too much work. We're only nine. If there was only half the season gone, then right, yeah, knock it on the head. But we're nearly done. We're nearly, we're nearly finished. You can't just oh, be... Barrow. Poor old Barrow. I know, that's what I'm saying. Barrow as well. It's got to be a points per game something. It's got to be like that. But for me, you, you can go you, you can go a few couple more weeks yet before making a decision. Okay. Would you uh, sort of looking forward as well, you know, because he's mentioned we might lose some, you know, hopefully we don't, you know, lose any football league clubs. Would you maybe look at restructuring the leagues, you know, making lower down a bit more regionalised or do you just think we should just leave no. it as is? So it's not a perfect time no. to think about the, the future of the game. No, not at all. Uh, football, this, this country is fantastic. I've played, I've been involved in every single level from Premier League all the way down to Conference North and below that, I played a couple of games with uh, Martin McIntosh at Buxton uh, as a favour for him when I just as I'd finished and hung up my boots. Uh, no, because these are people's clubs. As we've, we've mentioned this already. Just because you don't support Manchester United, the biggest club in the world, doesn't mean you, you care any less. You know about you're about Barrow because you've been watching Barrow since you were since you were born. Your dad took you to that first game. You know what I mean? It, it means just as much to that small set of fans. It does to that massive set of fans. And there's enough money in this football, in, in this world of football, for our clubs to survive through this. Yes, it might mean some land outs from other clubs at this moment in time. That's what you got to do. They keep talking about this football family. Let's actually see it working for a change. When you think about the money that was spent on Diakabi and Benzer and what that could do, it just makes that, sick. That could, that could have kept Berry in existence for a few years. Let's put it that way. Uh, no, it's. For me, that was just lunacy. Uh, I don't I know who watched them. I don't know. I don't know if someone watched them. And I don't know mistaken identity. I don't know. But it, it was. I would love to see the DVDs that were watched to then say, "Yeah, let's go and get them players." I mean, people have been talking about the football in itself, and it's going to implode. Maybe is this the moment? Will the fees, the wages, and stuff? It'd be really interesting to see where it goes. But wage cap. It, yeah, We're wage cap. Championship. are talking about it. I've been listening to a lot of uh, uh, podcasts as well, and. Bit of talk sport when about doing the garden, doing me running and stuff. And I think I think a wage cap's going to come in. Uh, maybe championship though. So it was funny. There was a a chairman of I think all the chairmen's got together and someone said eight thousand pound a week championship wage cap because that's and amazingly that was six because I think Luton's top earner is six. I thought bloody hell, there's people in the championship who get that as an appearance fee. You know what I mean? Never mind the wage. Ridiculous. It's going to have to, I think, League, league One, League Two, a realistic wage cap. Or someone's talking about a bit like the American way as well, where you can you have your players' wage cap, but you can have maybe three that can earn a little bit more or something like that. Like rugby players, like rugby league, yeah. 
Yeah, a bit like rugby league, you can have a couple of key players where you can go a little bit above it. I don't know if that would breed, you know what I mean, a little bit of jealousy. Yeah. It usually does. If you sign a player, a striker, and you give him double what your defender's on, but if your striker's scoring your 30 goals and you're getting promoted and everyone's getting... You know I mean, success with it, no one cares. Do you think it's, if, you, uh, if you cap the championship like that, say, well, argument's sake, we'll say six grand a week and the Premier League's, would you cap the Premier League as well? Or because that would, I think that'd create a huge gap, wouldn't it, between the Premier League and the championship for teams going up and down? Yeah, they would. It, 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 you know, I mean, these players in the uh, championship, I think, are upwards of 50, 60,000 pounds a week still. So even talking about sixes is just a ridiculous uh, number to talk about. And I'm not sure where that, that, that came from. But yeah, I, th- I think something something that needs to happen because for me, your top players can earn as much as they want. I don't care. It's your mediocre. It's when your mediocre is earning £60,000 a week and never plays or doesn't contribute anything towards English football or the game, but is walking away with £60,000 a week. That's, that's for me, performance-based, a little bit more performance-based wage, I think. When I, when I was growing up at Bolton, we were on crap money, but we could... Three ta- we could earn three times it by just sitting on the bench. You know what I mean? And then you'd, then you'd get your, your bigger contracts and your appearances and your clean sheets and things were chucked in there. You know what I mean? It's got to be more performance-based, I think. Mm, I say Chelsea, they're paying kids 25 grand a week, taking them from other clubs at 16, 17, offering 20. I think Izzy Brown was one of the ones that, I don't know if it was 25, but they took a lot of, you know, they gave him a lot of money, gave him Mercedes, got a boot deal. It seems to be that football's gone a little bit crazy, hasn't it, with the top clubs, but... I suppose the point I was trying to make is: Would you ever? Would you, would the status quo then ever change? Because uh, I think the Premier League, by looking at their want, you know, the, the media sort of in the Premier League is quite snobbish. You know, you, if you've ever listened to me moan about it on our podcast before, you'll you'll know that I'm not a big fan of, you know, the sort of a higher end media because they, they all they do is talk about the top six and what that does yeah. is then it breeds more. It, it, it sort of breeds ears towards Breed, the top yeah. six, and that's all people are interested in if that's all you talk about. So, um, do you think sort of? doing this would then kind of keep a status quo and for me football would be boring you know if the same four or five clubs were at the top every season you know, I look at clubs uh, I look at like Scotland I think calling Scotland a farmers league is really sort of offensive to Scottish football because I think it's better than yeah. what people give it credit for but Celtic win it every year you look at Portugal and you get the same one or two clubs Bayern Munich win Germany every year PSG most years in France do you think there'd be a danger whereby it's just the same same stuff happening every year I, I think there is there's, there can be changes made definitely can be changes made I mean the amount of players that they can bring in as well loaning out 45 players you know what I mean and, and, and things like that I, I think they need to they need to do something to make those players maybe think well you know what I'm not going to sign for Chelsea in 25 grand a week and do that all He's not, they're not allowed to sign for Chelsea in 25 grand because Chelsea have already got 20 under 23s there and they have to go to Brentford or Huddersfield or somewhere else. And they've got to go and apply the trade because they've, they've saturated their squad and saturated what they what they can spend. And then maybe players start to look in further afield. I, mean, I know what, I know exactly what Izzy Brown's talking about because when I was on £40 a week, then £41.50 a week, when I was 16, 17, in the Premier League as well, led DL. You know, that's, that's how much it's coming, what, 25 years, £40, £41.50, plus expenses. And that was a Premier League club as well. And now you're talking four-year contract, 25 grand a week. He's never got to work again. You know what I mean? He's, he can sit on that tight hamstring of his for as long as he possibly wants because what, 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 what's it matter? I, I think performance-based or once you've got, there's about how many players, you can't have any more. You either, you've got to either get rid permanently or that's it. You're done. I think it'll ever Ready? Be. 
Uh, am I uh, no? I was going to ask Matt, kind of in similar vein, talking about caps. Um, obviously, you know, goes without saying, but the football and all the finances. Um, do you think? Um, do you think there'll be like um, a, a transfer cap in terms of fees? Because obviously, before I think you know, like you had a Sambalonga in the Championship going for like twelve, fifteen million. You know, do you think it'll kind of force um, you know a cap on transfer fees because they were getting quite quite ridiculous because obviously like you talked about Liverpool and Tottenham uh, making the decision to furlough staff if they're saying we can't pay these guys but then we can spend 50 yeah. odd million on a you know on a backup squad player you know do, do you see that kind of going that way or well the, to go back to that I would ban both them clubs from uh, signing players and transfer window because if you can't pay the staff you can't go and spend 70 million pounds on a, on a right back you know what I mean so uh, for me that's uh, that's an easy one no I agree I'm a bit, I'm a bit like Cosy said as well before. I don't think masses is going to change. I think right. there'll be a short change, and everyone will be going around, and everyone will get the moral high ground and everything else. But everyone will get bailed out, and we'll just, and it'll go back to normal. I think a lot of things will just go back to normal once, once we're allowed out of our houses and allowed into football stadiums and everything else. I think the only thing that might change is we might be able to get more games on TV. There might be more streaming of games, legal streaming of games. Uh, than there is there is now. I think that might be the only thing, and you, you might see less of a crowd in there because of the fact it'll be easier to get hold of uh, on the on the internet. But I, I honestly don't think masses will change because football fans are tribal. You know what I mean? As soon as they're allowed back in there, they'll be racing back to that ground. You know what I mean? Eating that pie, having that pint, and screaming and shouting, then ringing me up after the game and having a go at what I said. You know what I mean? It'll be exactly exactly the same. I think once we get back to normal. I think that's the, the worry, Matt, just bigger than football. But I think once the, you know, the lockdown comes over, there's going to obviously be a phased approach. But I don't think people are happy. You've seen it now, mate. You were on about before the supermarket, people yeah. going crazy. People are just humans. And I just, you know, I suppose it's bigger than a, than a kind of football chat. But well, the, fear, the fear is if Liverpool win the league, Leeds get promoted yeah. behind closed doors, those fans are still going to be rushing to them stadiums. I think that's what I think that's one of the considerations. I think that's what people are worried about. The fact you ain't going to keep them fans from going to celebrate with them players. You're going to have to play behind closed doors at a secret location. It's not going to have to be <laughs> people will come out of their houses. Madness. I say that's that's an interesting point. Do you think attendances might slump as people might get sort of fear of crowds? I don't know that's well, probably the correct terminology, but that that could also potentially have an impact, couldn't it? Where pay. But as long as as the clubs have control of how much they charge and how much streaming and, you know what I mean, it's not just left to sky and, you know, clubs can take a little bit of control of the money themselves for people watching the games at home, it might hopefully not be as big a hit, but that's not really what we want. We want people in the the stadium. Nothing better like I saw my Ibrox before, nothing better than that screaming. I'll I'll go back to the Watford game again. I I speak about that one because my daughter was there. uh, They'd won a competition for the the new Huddersfield Town song from Hepworth, Hepworth, uh, Hepworth School. And it was a dire game, but in scored, was it 92nd minute? Mm. And the place just went bang through the roof. And everyone forgot about the 92 crappy minutes that we watched because they just won 1-0. And it was just absolutely amazing. And, and you know, you, you need the people in the stadium to get that atmosphere. Point, that, I, I watched that Valencia, that Atlanta game, the one just before the lockdown. And, I find myself kind of losing interest in it. And there was another game in Spain I watched and there were no one in. And you kind of find, because there's no crowd noise and stuff, we were players shouting. I don't think people are going to realise that that much, how much they, I think you'll lose some people from 
having that attention span because it's just totally, totally different. Where I think we saw a little bit in back in the day in Europe when we were getting banned from kind of stadiums and stuff, but it really is. Some people well, just got it. I'll come back when there's crowds a bit in again. I remember playing at uh, Darlington's new ground when it first opened, 20,000 all seater with 2,000 people there. <laughs> I played at Hamden Park in front of 100 people in a pre season friendly. And oh, my God, it's like a funeral. It's a Beyond that, Queen's Park. Yeah, it was a, a pre season friendly for Falkirk. And yeah, oh, it was horrendous. Beautiful stadium, don't get me wrong. It was great to play there. But when there's no one there and you can hear some whistling, it's not very good. So, no, thanks for your time, Matt, and uh, for coming on tonight and being, uh, being class, mate. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank, no, thank you very no, much, Matt. So, yeah, much appreciated, Matt. Great to speak to you. Yep. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you fancy coming on, just let us know. It's been great to have you on and, and great yeah. to uh, great to shoot with you. So thanks a lot, Matt. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And uh, thank you. Late in May in 2017, Shinder scored. It was a heaven dream. What a feeling! What a night. Wagner singing, we are Premier League The greatest sight in George's Square did see What an evening, what a night Oh, I, I got a funny feeling when he walks And a fan Commentator yelled, he takes that chance. Oh, what a night! Lost so safe and mesmerizing me. Low, low charge and flattened all Chelsea. Stanford Bridge, oh, what a night! Oh, I. Got a funny feeling when he walked And a fence And then The commentator yelled He takes a chance Oh, what a night Oh, what a night Oh, what a night Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.